previously on Wild Endeavors. As the companions begin searching for help in translating a teleportation circle recently used by the Silence, an attempt is made on Then's life. With little help from Cloud and his connection to the ethereal plane, Then barely manages to escape the fatal poison. In the city's most prestigious magical university, the party finds a warlock willing to help them. That is, if the companions are willing to murder the warlock's rival. The seemingly straightforward task becomes complicated when it takes Then back to the Cerulean Sons. To complete the warlock's task, Then personally kills an old friend, a one-time romantic interest, and watches her die in his arms. The party returns to Arthamore, hopefully one step closer to finding the Silence and Kara Nilo. This is the Shadows Campaign, featuring Devin Salisbury as the elven thief Theron Nilo. Then doesn't have any emotion for this. Gave those up a while ago. Amy Jostino as the tiefling rogue Calico Bane. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang out. Evan Chamberlain as the elven wizard Leandros Lubicar. With the staff still in my hand, I'm gonna start drawing an arcane circle. Adam Rogers as the human fighter Hans Gregor. I wanted to rush up and hack and slash the other guy. With us in spirit, and in a few special scenes, thanks to some post-session editing, Nick Feely as the human paladin, Elief Kitt. That's fine, but I'm asking you what do you want me to lie about? And I'm Thomas Marsetti, the old man telling stories by the fire. And now, our season finale, Chapter 12, Into the Shadow. a probably uncomfortable quiet in your room at the Silver Unicorn as each of you process the events that unfolded at the Cerulean Tower. Night has fallen in full on Arthamore. Most of the people who have ventured out for entertainment this evening have already found something to occupy them, at least for the time being. So the streets, particularly around the neighborhood where the Silver Unicorn is, are quieter, though the multitude of lights from the nearby windows make the streets still feel alive. Here in the inner city, the smallest of buildings is four stories, and the guild towers soar far above them, like beacons in the night to the ingenuity of humanity. In the dark, amid these myriad of lights, even the burned section of the city cannot mar Arthamore's beauty. Even the shadowy factions which you have found yourself working with cannot touch Arthamore's grandeur. What, if anything, are you guys doing? Um, I was going to tell them, since I got a message that is actually pertinent to them, that there's a person at the Blushing Basilisk who has information about um, the person that makes crazy potions and poisons that he sells to uh, thieves' guilds and assassins. Interesting. When, when were you supposed to meet up with uh, uh, Orthorn? Uh, she said like tomorrow morning. Uh, okay. Like whenever you guys go back to the college, she'll be there. Do you guys want to go check it think? out now? Or? Is this place on the way? I don't know. 
Oh, on the way uh, to the college? Yeah. Mm, not really. I mean, it's not like super out of the way, but it's not just, you know, straight shot sort of thing. Well, then we, I guess we could probably just stop there in the morning on our way through. Just kind of like hit that and then go to the college. Yeah. Um, you know what? There is something I want to do. I want to I want to RP something real quick, if you don't mind. Go for it. No, you're not allowed. Um, it's with, a, it, it, believe it or not, it's with Finn. Then you know? the, you'll find him in the bathhouse right now. He's soaking up relaxing because uh, he's okay, not go feeling go hot right now. Then. I'm going to go to the bathhouse and find him. The Silver Unicorn, being one of the city's upper tier establishments, has its own in-house bath chambers. In addition to the wash basins and other refreshment options offered on each floor near the rooms, this bath chamber has several private rooms for a long bath, uh, deep clean kind of situations. But in the central chamber, there's a 20 foot by 20 foot pool. It has steps along each wall of the pool, like tiers down into the water. So you can sit pretty much however you like and in however much water as you would like. An enchantment keeps the water piping hot. Um, this is a bath for relaxing weary muscles, and that's where a worn out then would almost certainly be. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in, um, see my companion, and uh, kind of just you know walk up to him, and I'm gonna kind of grab a stool that you know somebody would probably put their clothing on, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure it's his clothing. I'm just gonna dump it on the ground, and I'm gonna plop it up right next to him. Theron, I need to talk to you about something. It's kind of important, actually. Uh, you sure it can't fucking wait? No, 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 no. Um, I have this thing, and I pull out this uh, battery that I've been carrying, this uh, um, ethereal battery. Um, I want to grab my dagger without, like, just behind me, without him really noting, noticing, or the, the sword, <laughs> just in case. Um, I have this. I'm, I haven't used it yet. I've been waiting for, like, the right moment when I can talk to you without anybody else here. I have this battery that's... I know it has a link to the ethereal plane, and you still have this link that you and I really haven't figured out yet. And I would, I want to see if you can feel any energy still in here, if there's anything in here that could help us out. And I'm going to hand it to him. I'll take it. If what I've read is correct, I think this is a miniaturized version of what that wizard was doing to us. So what could I use this for? I want to see if you can charge it. Charge it? With your ethereal power, yes. Does it have stuff in it now? Can I Can I tell? Um, yeah, I think that you can tell. Yeah, there, there, is the, there is a charge in it. Is there, there's no way for me to like discern realities on it? Or... Yeah, um, I'd actually rather have you do the Shadow Forge than... Alright. Yeah, I'm helping you. Uh, 11. Okay. Nice. Tell me a little bit more about what you're trying to do or, like, what you're hoping to get out of this. Yeah, and I mean, if I, if I, if I could try to, like, just seep a little bit into it mm-hmm. just to see what it, like, would do. I don't want to, like, if it, if it feels like it's going to pull it out without my control, I want to try to stop it or throw it kind of thing. Sure. I think that you, you're able to kind of, to, you know, delve into it the way that you have, like when you were looking for the poison in yourself, or like the one time you were looking for the uh, that rift. Right. So you can see that the, there is um, just kind of some raw ether energy stored in this little object. And I think you can tell now as you're kind of a, a better look at it, it essentially 
would work kind of the same way that when you access the energy and kind of you you're kind of like pulling it from the world around you like pulling it from the ethereal plane directly right. this would work like that but like you would pull it just from this little battery where in theory somebody else could you know, use that energy for something if they if they knew the process of getting it out i'll relay that information to leandros I think that you got you got the sense that um, because of your connection, you would be able to channel some energy into it, so you could like recharge it. I'll kind of toss it back to Leandros and be like, "Well, it's charged. I mean, if you can figure out how to harness that, then go for it. I don't know what good it will help, but well, try. I I found this while I was looking for you um, before we met back up at Acton Manor. Thank you for that, Baron. How are you feeling? Well, as opposed to being poisoned and dealing with what we dealt with earlier today, uh, I, I could be better. I understand. Have you heard any word from Ilias? He's a tricky fellow, but uh, I understand he went to pray and channel his god some, so I'm hmm. not quite sure where he might have gone elsewhere. What a poor fellow. All right, well. <laughs> I like you care. I generally do care. I paid for him. I don't want him to be distracted. I've only so. seen you use them as expendables. And you haven't? Come on, my friend. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yet. Keyword. Yet. So, Leandros, he'll go ahead and um, put the little stool back and props the clothes back on the stool. <laughs> and then properly leave. Is it still nighttime, Thomas? Yeah. While I'm in the bathhouse, if, uh, they, like, or the bath area or whatnot, um, mm-hmm. if there's nobody else around, can I try to use the Shadow Forge to kind of <laughs> blink into the ethereal plane? Or the, Absolutely. at least... It, like the ethereal zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ten. That'll do it. So, yeah. So, you just want to, like, like pop into the ethereal plane? Yeah, I want to pop in there and kind of relax. Because I remember when I was in it, the, at one point, it kind of seemed to help me heal a little faster. Oh, Yeah. Okay. And so I'm kind of hoping it maybe helps me feel a little better than I am just kind of normally. Yeah, I think that does. It definitely does help you heal faster. So um, actually go ahead and um, take two back on each of those uh, strength dexterity and constitution. Damn. Okay. So, I mean, it would, so, t- it would still take a little while of, of staying in the ethereal plane for that to work. But uh, right. it's, you, can, you can tell it is, it is healing you faster. So I'm at 11 now instead of the 9 I was at? Correct. Okay. Still a zero modifier, but it's okay. <laughs> but it's a few more hit points. So. True. I didn't think of that. I feel like I'm just kind of... I probably went and had a couple of drinks and then went back up to the room and over into whatever corner that I'm sleeping in and polishing the sword again since it, I used it during the, the fight. So. Right. Okay. The rest of the night passes pretty uneventfully. In the morning, when you come down for breakfast in one of the private dining rooms, uh, you all see Eliaf waiting for you in the common room near the fire. Eliaf, I'll go over to him and uh, clap him on the back. How was the temple? It was good. I, I needed some guidance, and now I think I'm ready to get back at it. Wh- where did you guys want to go first? What are you guys feeling? The blushing basilisk. I'd say let's go there first. Figure out who poisoned all of us, possibly. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. Will um, Calico like need to kind of lead the way to that? Yeah. 
So I think that as you are making your way to the blushing Bascalith, Aurelius meets up with you in the street like he was very clearly coming to talk to all of you and seeing you know that you're out and about like he kind of just you know falls into step kind of and starts beginning to speak kind of you know very softly to kind of you know keep things on the down low but is uh trying to also look you know nonchalant as you guys go as you guys walking on he says that there's there's been some developments that he thought you should know about he said that last night the class pulled off a fairly large operation they took basically took most of their strength and attacked a silence um, safe house in the city. So, and it seems like almost all of the silence who were there were either killed or uh, captured by the class. But it also seems like there was a, it was a significant number of silence operatives there, enough so that it the the silence might be done for in Arthamore. Well, that's good news, I guess. Okay. Do they know where this hideout was? Yes. It was a place called the Staves and Stoves. Okay. I feel like we need to go there next. We could probably check it out, but I don't know. It might be hustling and bustling with activity of guards and whatnot. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think we could. We should still keep going to our two destinations and then figure things out. We should. We should go there at some point. Yeah. So then unless you have anything else for him, he's going to like slip away back into the, the crowd. And you guys can continue on your way to the Basilisk. Calico, lead the way. You make it to the Blushing Basilisk. It's a two-story timber and brick building. Um, it looks to be like some sort of uh, inn or tavern. It has uh, like about a dozen chimneys on the roof. Only one of them um, has smoke coming out of it right now. <laughs> You can, you can see from the street there's you know there's a couple people moving about inside but it is like you know it's the morning there's not a lot of people getting drunk at the tavern at this time of day but uh <laughs> um so what would you guys like to do um i'll go in and talk to one of the workers to see if where my contact is okay the basilisk common room is fairly unremarkable save for the fact that it has six fireplaces in a room that could easily be served by two fires. Behind the bar, you see a familiar face. Uh, so you are talking to Olbin Ledbo. He's an old, balding, gray-haired dwarf. Pretty grumpy, even for a dwarf. He's simply dressed. He's, you know, he's the the barkeep um, here at the, the Basilisk. I'm going to say, I've heard you might have some Talioski storm whiskey. He looks at you somewhat disinterestedly and says... That's a dangerous drink. Not many are willing to dance with that particular spirit. To be willing is only half the task. He gives the bar a couple little taps that in Thieves' Cant means you successfully gave the passcode. He says, yeah, what uh, what are you doing? I say, is Malik Rigby in his usual room? So he, you know, is you know, wiping down a glass as you guys are talking. And then he looks at you when you ask that and says, Malik left last night. I thought you were aware of the time frame. My friends got held up by needing to bathe together. <laughs> yeah, blame it on yeah. us. What time frame are you even talking about? <laughs> he uh, grunts and kind of half shrugs and like, well, I guess you find someone uh, makes you happy. You can do that with. Uh, 
can't fault somebody that happiness. <laughs> he says, I think he's going to be hard to reach for a little while. You know that some of his clients had some issues last night, and he's going to be laying low for a while until that heat dies down a little bit. Okay. So I'd relay that information to them. But I tell them he's he's sort of a freelance poison guy, so if there's something going on between the silence, that might have something to do with it. Uh, and tell them that this was kind of a dead end. But... Oh, shit. Well, maybe we should go check out this place. Maybe another time. We should... We're, we're taking too long. I don't want to keep Orsorn waiting. Yeah, agreed. I really want to know where this teleportation circle goes. At least once we have that information, we can we can then check in with the that old hideout. Okay. You can make your way back to the uh, the university. Can I keep an uh, eye out for anybody following us? I'm just curious if maybe like somebody drew us out to this place to like maybe see who is trying to track down this poison guy. You don't see anybody. All right. Well, if I don't see him, then I don't see him. So as you make your way back to the 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 campus, actually, like kind of like just as you're getting, you're crossing that like that invisible line, like where the the edge of the the university starts, and like on the the other side is the city. You notice that up ahead, in one of the, like small like little tight square areas, like there's like a little fountain. You can't help but notice that there's a a beautiful, just like stunningly beautiful young woman standing beside a big stack of like traveling trunks she has long raven black hair and her eyes are you know are just this even from a distance you can see are like a flashing like brilliant green color everybody who is milling around the area is gawking and rubbernecking at her as they go by as you draw closer to her she calls out to the to your group and says i almost didn't think you were going to come this morning for she laughs a very throaty, musical laugh and says, I forgot. I probably look very different than I did yesterday. Can I, like, <laughs> I'm moving, like, my hair back again? Like, She glances at you in a fairly flirtatious way. I was surprised as well. I didn't realize Votok had grown as powerful as they had. I have been thoroughly enjoying the power you brought back to me in the dagger. I will admit, I am more in debt to you than I originally believed. I see. Oh, you are welcome. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) The pleasure is all mine. (laughs) Can I discern reality of what kind of magic this would be? If you're, like, studying her and, like, like her surroundings and her, her possessions, that would be discern realities that'd be wisdom if you're trying to consult what you know about magic uh that would be more like spout lore okay spout lore then i want to spout lore about that then okay well it's double sixes plus three six 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 okay so given that the you know when you saw her yesterday she was like old and you know hunched over and kind of starting to prune up and to now see her so young and vibrant Probably it would be something in like a, a probably like a necromancy type school. It seems like from what she was saying, she used the power that you guys took from lore to do this and to make herself young again. Orthon, I haven't seen this type of magic in quite a long time. Where did you learn this? 
It is a gift of my patron. And that patron is? <laughs> we do not use their name in front of the uninitiated, though I suppose you may have heard of them, referred to as the King in Yellow. Uh, can I spot lore about that? Could I also try to spot lore about it? or No, sure. you just kill lore. Ten. This definitely rings a uh, bell with you. The king in yellow is is said to be an avatar of uh, one of the old gods. Typically appears in like tattered yellow robes, very tall, spindly type creature with a like a face mask and a jagged silver crown. Not to. Not to break away from this game, but wasn't that kind of like Farina had gotten involved in? Yes. That's the exact person, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. When we banished it or whatever, did it come to this plane? Well, this we haven't we haven't done before. that yet. Yeah. Oh. This oh. is like three years before that, isn't it? Still. Right. Yeah. So Orthorn also is going to give you. Um, she reaches into one of her um, bags, and she pulls out the top that was spinning on her shelf and that orb that was on the front of her desk. Um, and she says, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, my debt to you is, is far greater than I, than I realized. I would like you to also have these, the top when you I reach for the, I reach for the top. <laughs> <laughs> when you spin the top, it will continue to spin until somebody tells a lie in the vicinity of it. And then it will, will fall over. And the orb will grow smoky if there are at least two people in a room who can do something to benefit each other. Weird. I will take that. Did she catch us lying with the top? I feel like I remember it stopping. Yes. What did we lie about? Then about the, the reason that he was looking for the silence. Oh. That makes sense, yeah. And then I... And then I told her why. And it, did mm-hmm. it continue spinning after that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, shit. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So does she want to, like, pack up? Or we can take, like, the short bus from the school down to the place? Or... <laughs> <laughs> she, she says, you know, you're going to lead me to this teleportation ring. And uh, I can I can repay the other part of my debt. She's going to leave all of her, her traveling, um, her like her luggage there. No one would be foolish enough to touch it. If you don't mind us, where are you planning to go next? I do mind. Needless to say, though, I no longer need the resources of the Taresh. Is this anything we did? Yes. All, all right. right. So we're walking to the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not too far, but so you're back at the Royal Arcade. It's still empty, nobody there, or no, like not a lot of people, like you know, even in the area. So it'd be really easy to break in again, um, and you can take her right down to the teleportation circle um, if you want. I think we yeah. should go back upstairs and see the lady. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should leave Hans up there, and he can take care of all the children. <laughs> I feed them plenty of apples. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so back in the the room with the teleportation circle, she you know starts you know doing some incantations. Um, you know, maybe I think like like spreading some like salt around, kind of like in a circle around the the teleportation circle. 
it takes a little while. I mean, like, it's it's not like she just, you know, snaps her fingers and it's done. But after, I would say, maybe like a, a half hour or so, she says, The last place this portal opened to, indeed, the place it is linked to, is shrouded in shadow. I cannot say for sure where it is. However, I could send you to where they went. Oh, shit. Does it, do we know for sure who used it? Uh, it's definitely the uh, silence that used this line. Well, if anything, I can always bring us back, I suppose. You think you're that powerful? <laughs> you had a focus the last time. No, that focus brought us exactly where we need to go. That's a little different. If you say so. Let's, uh, let's do it. If you can bring us back, might as well. So we can't kill Leandros during the mission. Right. Not if or you want him to want teleport you back. Okay. <laughs> or nor, nor let him die. Okay. Okay. Before you do this, Warthorn, be in mind we were being followed. She lets out another kind of throaty, melodic laugh and says, The people who concern you are of no concern to me. Just looking out for you. <laughs> so we jump in the circle. Okay. Story, yeah. bro. So you, yeah, you get into the teleportation circle. Um, Orthorn begins her, you know, a different set of cantations. The the runes that make up the circle begin to glow blue, um, and that light kind of growing and rising until becoming almost like a solid wall around you. There's a flash of that same blue light, and then it vanishes leaving Orthorn standing in the empty room in the cellar of the Royal Arcade. To the empty room, she says, And so the stones are cast. A pity they were starting to grow on me. She turns and leaves the room. It is then truly empty, save the teleportation circle and the small message from Kara Nilo. Oh, shit. Of course, none of you saw any of that. For you... There's that, like, yanking feeling in your gut, and then the the light vanishes. And you find yourself standing at a crossroads. It is night, um, even though it was day just a moment ago. You are on the, like, near the outskirts of a small-ish village. There's a significant amount of mist hanging in the air, and you can only really see about like a hundred feet or so before like the mists are thick enough that they kind of block out. It's it's mist and you know and fog. So basically, there's just a very limited view around where you are. The village is up the one road to the west, just a little bit, and near the crossroads where you are, there is a tall multiple-story house. It looks, I like to think of kind of like a Victorian-style kind of house. Um, very okay. ornate-looking. Definitely not like a, a peasant's home. We haven't been here before, have we? No, none of you have been here. Okay. Can I try to discern realities to kind of perhaps guesstimate where I, where I am right now? Sure. Alright. Twelve. Okay. Well, I'm probably going to do my knowledge of ancients because it seems like the thing to do. I really <laughs> like it. When your eyes glaze over and you go back into that sea of your memories, you are drawn to your time in the ether storm. 
given the violently random nature of that storm, virtually every iteration of those thousands of lives that you lived had a different experience in the either storm. You visited different types of dimensional space. You visited different realities, different times, different planes of existence. The aggregate of all those experiences means that you can tell that this place feels just a little bit off. It's not exactly a pocket dimension, but that's not the worst way to think about this space. In none of your iterations did you spend enough time studying the arcane to be able to really comprehend what this place is. The closest you can get is imagining that it's like stepping through a mirror. In that world that is a reflection of our world, you could interact with things as if you yourself were a reflection. You simply would have no corresponding entity in the physical world. But anyone looking just into the mirror wouldn't notice anything wrong or anything out of place. Their reflection would interact with your reflection. Where it gets really trippy is then imagining if you could, in the reflection world, walk past the boundary of the mirror. In this analogy, the rest of the area or the region or perhaps even the entire world has a reflection in this mirror world. And so once you are on the other side, you can interact with that as if that's the real world. And it is still reflecting the real world. But the real world can only see the mirror world through that one little mirror. And you get the impression that this place has very few mirrors. So very few places where the two worlds can see each other, and very few places where somebody could pass between the worlds. Oh, shit. And so you'd have one more question after that. What happened here recently? So I think that as as you're kind of you've been looking around and after or you know you had your glazed eye like ancients moment taking stock of the area, you hear a, a like a very quiet like whimpering sound, and you can see down about halfway between the house and the the crossroads where you guys are standing there are two like shapes huddled next to a bush that's there and it looks like from what you can tell it seems like two children and they have run away from the house other than that the area is very quiet like it's it feels like the dead of night and then with the mists all around you can't see very far anyway okay i'll kind of whisper to the rest of the group to like keep quiet and uh, kind of fill them in a little bit. Can we go back? According to Landris, yes. There was some activity here recently, so let's try to, like, case the joint, and I guess if all those fails, just try knocking? I don't know. Okay. I want to kind of take a look around the house very quietly and, like, peek in the windows or whatnot if there is any. There's windows, and, you know, inside you see some very plush furniture and like tapestries on the walls it's again i think like not just like a flat out like super rich type mansion but it's definitely like upper middle class type of home very very well off it also has uh like an old feeling to it like nothing looks deteriorated or rotten or anything that but just it everything just has a feel of being very old there also does not despite there being 
you know, like a fire lit in one of the rooms and a couple lamps um, and various other rooms that you can you can peek into. Um, there doesn't seem to be anybody moving around. What do you guys think we should do? Uh, I'd say let's go knock on the door and find out. I'm going to check the door for traps. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and roll. Ten. There are no traps. You are safe. Woo. Is the door locked? It is not. It's not a good sign. <laughs> Maybe wait here. I'll take a look around. I'll help you. Yeah, all right. Okay, and so then Hans, Eliaf, and Leandros, you guys are going to wait outside? I'll go in, too. Let's just all go in. Okay. So the door, like I said, is unlocked. The hinges are kind of rusty. Inside, like right in, coming right into the foyer, there are a number of uh, like oil lamps hanging from the ceiling by chains. I'm hanging on the south wall of the foyer is a shield emblazoned with a coat of arms. It says like a golden windmill on a red field. And flanked by that are framed portraits. Very um, dour-looking uh, aristocrat-type folks. There are five in all. Three men, two women. And again, even though the clothing... You're not terribly familiar with the style of the clothing, but it still just somehow like gives you that like that very old feeling. To the right and left of that wall, there are doors leading deeper into the house, and there is a large spiraling staircase uh, that takes up pretty much the whole like right wall of this area. And then there's another door on the left uh, wall here. I kind of like ask, should we try the doors before we go upstairs? Probably. We'll try the door on the left. Okay. Very quiet. (laughs) (laughs) This door opens up into an oak paneled room. Looks very much like a, almost kind of like a hunter's den. It's got, you know, um, there's a nice big fireplace with like a stag's head mounted above it and a couple other pelts or horns or things like that. Two padded chairs sit in front of the fireplace, both draped in animal furs. There's an oak table supporting a cask of wine, um, a couple of uh, golden goblets sitting on the table next to it. There is a pipe rack and, you know, a candelabra. The fireplace and the wall with the the animals is on your right. And then there are, like, two chairs that are set in front of the fireplace. And then farther back from that, a little bit now more towards, like, the left side of the room from where you're standing, there's a larger table with four uh, chairs around that. The far end of the room, like, on the other side of all the, the chairs, there are a couple cabinets against the walls. Can I go in and I'll, I'll check the desk and see if there's, like, any papers with, like, names on it, like, so I know who, if maybe possibly who's here? You don't find any papers. This seems to be more of, like, let's sit down and have a drink or let's, you know, talk about our, our hunting stories, this type of room. So there, you know, I think you find, like, a deck of cards, a couple more, like, wine glasses, um, some tobacco and, you know, ro- uh, rolling papers, um, things like that. Can I check for secret compartments? Tell me what you're doing. Well, first I'll check to see if there's any false bottoms on any of the drawers. Kind of do like a little tap-tap to see if it's like hollow or not. If there's nothing there, then maybe just kind of do the same thing along the wall, like a little tap-tap on the walls. Okay. So roll, uh, yeah, roll discern realities. 
10. Okay, and you were looking for hidden compartments, so that sounds like what here is not what it appears to be. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Don't find any hidden compartments. You do discover that the two cabinets are locked. The other thing you discover is that even though there's a fire lit, like somebody was just in the room or the, the room has been prepared in case somebody decides to come in and, and sit down to relax for a little bit, there is a lot more dust on all the surfaces in this room as if nobody has been in here for a while, but then there's still a fire and lanterns lit. That's not a good sign. <laughs> what should I be on the lookout for? Just the way that it seems like, again, like the, the fires are lit. Um, you know, there's like wine glasses sitting out. Like it looks like people should be here, like sitting down drinking wine right now. Wood here is useful or valuable, valuable to me, I guess. I mean, definitely some of the, you know, some of the goblets and like some of the candlesticks and things like that. If you're planning on robbing the place, there's plenty of things. Can I go back to the like the door where we came through and just kind of post up there and keep an eye out if anybody's like walking in or walking by? Sure. Can I also detect magic? Yeah, roll to cast that. Nine. Okay. So uh, when casting a spell on a seven to nine, you have to choose one of these outcomes. You draw unwelcome attention. You take a minus one on going to casting spells, or you forget this spell until you have time to, like, rest. I'll draw on one at attention. Okay. So, and sort of, um, when you do detect magic, you said, like, it kind of makes magical things kind of glimmer? Yeah. Okay. As you look around the room, just about everything is glimmering a little bit. Um, Oh, great. Okay, I'm going to inform my opinion. So, yeah, everything seems to be a little bit magical in here. Perhaps the entire place is. I kind of got that vibe, considering there's a lot of burning fires and no people taking care of them. Something's going on here. I also kind of got that idea. Ignore my words of warning. Let's just no. go forth and kill things. No, 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 no. Let's, uh... Can I dramatically stick something in the fire and throw it into the middle of the room? <laughs> <laughs> what are you sticking into the fire? <laughs> I don't know. Is there, like, a notebook or something? Like, like... Like a little, like, hunting ledger of some sort. Yeah, and throw it onto the ground so it'll, like... So what are you guys doing as she tries to start committing, burning the house down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> burning the house down. It's the fastest way to figure out who's here, because obviously somebody's here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pat the fire out and be like, maybe do it while we're out outside and not inside. <laughs> Is there like a spell someone can do to just smoke people out without actually setting things on fire? You're no fun. <laughs> You're new. Perhaps we could just continue exploring quietly and hopefully. So wrong. Are you in a rush, Calico? No. You hear a like cracking, tearing sound coming from the deer heads on the wall. A skeletal hand come up below the neck from the wall and tear part of the wall open. <laughs> And then the deer head come out of the wall, except that their bodies are like skeletal, still kind of rotting humanoid forms. And they look like they are not happy you're there. 
Somebody has some kind of zombie thing. We got it. Somebody has like a zombie stone. Somebody uh, got a thing. What is it? What is what? We got a I thing like... that had something to do with zombie. I, you remember I, this? I have, are you thinking main campaign? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're thinking Elman. How you can turn undead? Or no, I think I'm thinking of a podcast. Disregard. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't have. Never mind. Then you're the first to react because you have your don't get surprised thing. I'm definitely gonna be like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, and I'm gonna throw, try to, I guess, do my ether weapon thing that I have now. So this is your new shadow move. For those of you playing the home game, this is very similar to the Immolator's Burning Brand. For the rest of you, Fen can now essentially draw ether energy out of the air to create weapons. When he does so, he's going to roll, and based on his roll, he gets a certain number of tags to add to the weapon. So if he wants to make a ranged weapon, that costs a tag. If he wants to make it a little bit stronger, um, that costs a tag. And then after a certain number of uses, he would have to resummon the weapon again if he wants to continue using it. The fun part for me is that the weapon always begins as dangerous. And so if he doesn't use a tag to remove that, when he rolls poorly in combat, I can narratively use that weapon against him or the rest of you. Oh, fun. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'm going to do a... Th- I guess I'm going to try to do a thrown weapon. Eight. Okay. So, so I need to choose one of the things? Right. So I'll do thrown, I guess. Does it do any different damage or... It's going to use your same your same damage dice. Okay, um, cool, cool, cool. But depending on the, like what tags it has, it might do different types gotcha. of damage, different things. Cool. Okay. So, well, yeah, so go ahead and roll your attack then. All right. Uh, eight. Uh, that's a partial, so I'm going to say that it is going to be trying to attack you back. Oh. So these things start climbing out of the wall and then immediately begins like pulling shadow energy into himself. And as he's doing that, it draws the attention of one of these deer-headed creatures. And so it's not even all the way out of the wall before it's trying to lunge towards Fen. As it is doing that, though, you hit it with your shadow dagger. So go ahead and roll damage on that. Nine damage. Okay. You notice that despite like it, its body looking like a, you know kind of rotting and skeletal and like very zombie-esque, mm-hmm. it actually is much tougher than it looks. Basically, it has some armor, so you don't do quite as much damage. And so then it is going to hit back at you for six minus your armor. Four damage. Right, right. Okay. As that is happening, what would the rest of you like to do? Can I rush to attack? You sure can. I'd like to do that. Yeah, roll that up. Eight. Okay. Is that the dice tower I just heard? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Bringing back the dice tower. As you, like, stab into it, it kind of grabs onto you with its, uh, with its fingers, and, like, it has very sharp, almost, like, claw-like fingernails. And so it digs into, like, into both of your shoulders. Um, so go ahead and roll your damage. Eleven. Okay, that's a good hit, yeah. It is going to do three damage to you, um, minus whatever your armor is. So it does zero damage. 
Okay. Well, there you go. I am using my throwing daggers, trying to like hit it in the face. A twelve. Uh, yeah, you got a you got a good hit. So go ahead and roll your damage. Um, seven. So with this thing still partially in the wall, you just let fly with one of your throwing daggers. It hits and immediately sinks up to the hilt, right in the thing's big, meaty deer neck. It's the kind of hit that would have been fatal if this thing were truly alive. What else is happening? I'd like to um, attack the biggest clump that is clustered together uh, with a fireball. You can certainly try that if you would like to. The good news is the room is small enough that you would hit every single one of the deer creatures with that fireball. Bad news is you would also hit every single one of your companions and yourself. So... Nah, I'm not gonna do that. I know Leandros would consider doing that, but also, like, he needs these people. So uh, Leandrox is going to um, um, basically bring up two arcane runes, one in each hand. Uh, or, well, I, arcane symbols in his hand, basically. Mm-hmm. Conjure them up. Um, he's going to do a little bit of hand movement and then fire two missiles out of his hand. Uh, ten. Uh, that's a good hit. Uh, roll up your 2d4. Yep. So that's six damage. One of the creatures staggers backward just a little bit as those missiles crash into its torso. The arcane energies blast little craters in the loose, rotting flesh of the thing. Uh, Hans and Fen are right in the m- middle and are kind of like the mix of things. What are you guys doing? If I, if I can thing. use either actual like shadow energy or like minor illusion, I want to try to Put like a make it look like I'm a, like a puff of smoke break line of sight to get back away from them. Okay, we'll do that as a, a dexterity one because you are okay. still like trying to get out of the way of the thing. Right. Um, uh, not bad. Seven. Okay. It's not a fail. You can back away from the one that you were fighting originally and end up backing into the one that uh, Leandros just shot. Or it's going to take one last swipe at you as you back away, but with uh, limited effect because your smoky illusion makes it very hard to tell where you actually are. I'll take the attack. Sure. Oof, this is not your night. So I rolled a 10. does have limited effect, so I'll say that is a 7. And then you, of course, still get your armor. Yeah, I know. But you are now free of the combat, so question yeah um as a human it says once per battle you may re-roll a single damage roll yours or someone else's could someone else's be the the deer monster thing mm-hmm. all right i want you to re-roll that oh nice oh my god is my bond with hans about to resolve <laughs> so that's a little better uh with the limit effect i'll say it's a five so what does that look like what are you doing to help fan I think, like, right when the thing goes to attack him, I, like, distract it for a second. Yeah, so I feel like it, like, went to go swipe, and I, like, kind of, like, moved towards it with my sword or something, like, kind of, like, slashing at him without, like, actually attacking yet. Right. It, like, looked at me for a second while I was trying, so it didn't, like, get a full hit. It got, like, a... Right. Half I like that. 
since Hans is already on the move to do that, do you want to take that fainting attack and like turn it into another action or like turn that movement into something else? They turn it into a strike back with us. So I'll say like I like slash down at it, come back up and slash back up. Sounds good. That is a 12. Uh, that's a good hit. <laughs> now with that, it says I have superior warrior. So I mean, there's a couple of things. So 11 damage. Okay. And I will uh, frighten my enemy. Yeah, so I mean, that you hit this thing hard. And it, like, hard enough to like, to, to stagger it back. So like, as it like, recovers its balance, um, it looks at you with like, it with its dead eyes. And it's, I mean, there's no expression on it, on its face, um, or in its eyes. But you can tell it's, uh, like, it looks like it's like, reconsidering you. It should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw another dagger thing at whatever one's closest to me. I just call daggers. Um, No way. (laughs) Can I put blood bleeding on it? It's a good poison. Tell me what it would look like to you, for you to like get the the poison on the blade and then throw it. Um, I imagine not a utility belt, but I would have like a little kind of utility belt, mm-hmm. and I could just like open a thing real quick and like dip it in and throw. Yeah, I'll allow it. Eleven. Yeah, that's a good hit. So roll your damage. Then pass it to four, right? Yes. Ten. That's that's a good hit. <laughs> okay. So I think where the the dagger is sticking out of this thing, in addition to some of like the the blackish kind of uh, starting to congeal like blood that's coming out of it, there's also like a, a very like a bright, almost like a neon red like seeping out from around. You can kind of see it like going through some of the exposed veins around the wound as that venom kind of seeps into the thing's system. So it's got it's got the blood weed. Uh, I'm gonna attack the same one I attacked before. Uh, okay. Same thing, magic missile. So this rune's still on my hands. Kind of again, you know, a little bit of hand movement. Throw a couple of uh, magic missiles. It was a five. That is a fail. Don't forget to mark your experience. So as you as you are casting magic missile, um, the thing like leaps at you and kind of covers that distance between you and just all in kind of like one big go and it grabs you and throws you out of the room like back into the the foyer uh so you are going to take six damage damn as you kind of like slide back toward the entrance to the house as leandros is flying through the air what are the rest of you doing i'll keep attacking if that's fine that is what i'm here for I'm going to stay back and try to hurl daggers at it, but I'm going to do something crazy. So I'll wait. So, I, I know it's dumb because it's like this rotting zombie flesh thing, but I feel like I yell like, have you not had enough? <laughs> and oh. I rush toward it again with my giant shiny sword. And that's it's a little gooey right now from slashing through this zombie, but mm-hmm. still. Seven, eight, uh, ten. That's a good hit. It's like my third time in a row with 11 points of damage. <laughs> okay. Just combinations every time. That is a, re- a really good hit. Uh, 
So as this thing is kind of backing away from you anyway, it's, a, it's very uncertain about wanting to fight you. You come down with this big swing as you're you know, yelling at it, and it tries to back up even a little bit more, but can't quite get out of the way. And you just slash it all the way like across its torso. And some more bits fall off of it as that happens. This thing is starting to look really rough, which is saying something, considering the best shape you've seen this thing in, it was still a half-rotten, deer-headed, humanoid zombie. <laughs> so, speaking of crazy things that Fen wants to try, what are you up to? Alright, so I want to try to throw my shadow dagger at the creature, but I want to try to make it disappear and reappear coming from the opposite direction behind it. Okay. I know it's crazy. <laughs> So, other than looking pretty cool, what are you hoping to achieve here? A backstab. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This does sound kind of crazy and cool, so I say we we should go with that, uh, with the way you described that. All right, go ahead and roll it up. Nine. Okay, so which backstab option are you taking? I will create an advantage. Okay. To myself. So tell me about that. I would say that maybe, like, this attack would either make it, like, drop to a knee or that, or just kind of throw it off balance enough to help me get, like, an edge on it. Because you were getting it from behind. I think, like, yeah, it it stumbles forward and, like, hits one of those um, chairs near the fireplace and kind of, not quite slumps over it, but, like, it's, like, flopped against it. And, like, so most of its weight is on the chair. Okay. And so that damage is... 11. Good old Hans <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to try to attack the thing that I've been attacking with my scarf. Okay. So what do you think? What do you think that looks like? Take it out of my out of my pocket, and then I, like, put it in my hand, and I say the Accio Claw, and then it, like, shoots out, like a buzzsaw. So yeah, it's spinning like, like that. that. Okay. What you guys see is, like, she pulls out this scarf, says this, this magic word, and, like, spins the scarf at uh, one of the deer head things. But, like, as she says the word and, like, spins it, you can see the scarf becomes almost like steel. And then you see it cut in to the creature, like it is blade rather than a scarf. And when she mm-hmm. says the second command word, it turns back into a scarf and flies back to her. It's, like, covered in blood. It's, like... Um, no. I think because the way the way I think the way it's spinning when it was when it was metal, like it, it flew like a lot of the blood like flew off of it, and then when it became a scarf, scarf again, it was like it was coming back. So there was there was no blood on it. It's still clean. Hide nice. evidence. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Roll a uh, plus your dexterity. Okay. Uh, thirteen. That's a pretty good hit. Okay. Um, yeah. 13. Roll your roll your damage. Nine. So that is a good hit. <sighs> Leandris is pissed. Okay, <laughs> he's gonna stand up. Eyes are already glowing red. The, the runic symbol in the middle of his forehead is glowing, and uh, he doesn't he disregard completely disregard fireball. Okay. Uh, roll to cast. It's Eleven. That's a good. That's a good cast. I'm gonna go ahead and say he's doing it with the battery. Okay. Isn't that correct max damage on that roll? Yes. Or okay, that so that is 12. 
Okay, so you throw a fireball into the room. So the rest of you are in the room, focused on fighting these undead creatures, when suddenly it just seems like your entire world has become fire. Can I try to, like, jump out of the way? For the sake of flavor, I'm going to say yes, but let me tell you what that looks like. Out of the corner of your eye, then, you see that fireball spring to life in Leandros's hands, and then you see him throwing it into the room. Being as fast as you are, you're able to make like a sideward lunging leap onto the top of this table, and as you slide over it, you grab the one side and your weight tips it. And so as you hit the ground, the table flips up and it becomes like a barricade. But this ether supercharged fireball is just everywhere, and it licks around the corner of that table and just comes crashing down on you from both sides and then rolls over you and through the rest of the room. As a tiefling, aren't I, like, resistant to damage, to fire damage? No. Oh. So the poisoned deerhead thing uh, is going to perish in the flames, as well as the one that Hans was fighting. Um, the other two are on fire and are pretty fucked up, and three of you are also going to take 12 damage. Why would you do that to a... <laughs> I am unconscious. Who's unconscious? Sen. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sen doesn't have max hit points because he's still weakened. So you're not actually unconscious. There are no death saving throws in this game. You are just straight up dying. Oh, um, shit. And that means we get to do a move called last breath um so last breath says when you're dying you catch a glimpse of what lies beyond the black gates of death's kingdom and then you roll just roll add nothing death doesn't care how tough or cool you are oh god on a 10 plus you've cheated death you're in a bad spot but you're still alive on a seven to nine death will offer you a bargain take it and stabilize or refuse and pass beyond the black gates into whatever fate awaits you on a miss your fate is sealed you're marked as death zones and you'll cross onto the threshold soon the gm will tell you when Devin, so so I what am so i rolling sorry. just a just a regular just, nothing just 2d6 may oh, have boy. just set the shadow campaign on fire <laughs> right, here we go i rolled a six and a five Okay. You have cheated death. Evan, you're so fucking lucky. <laughs> I, I feel... Okay, so here's the thing. Like, Evan feels terrible. I feel like you were at low hit points. I would have not have done that. <laughs> but Leandros sure doesn't care. No. Like, <laughs> it's fucked up. The fire seems like to kind of like sink into like the walls and the furniture of the room. It's just like the fire just dies away, and there's no actual like fire damage to the furniture or the walls or ceiling or floor. Deerhead creatures are still on fire, even the two like that are dead. But like there's the house itself is not on fire. Hmm. Neat. Can I like rush to Sen's aid and try and drag him out of the burning room? Yeah. Yeah. Now, would I be able to do that, and then once I get him out, also give him one of my two healing potions? Sure. You are dragging him out. I'm going to uh, run up and follow them and tell Hans I've got a better healing potion for him. Okay. 
And so the two of you are dragging <laughs> Than out of the room, and the two fiery deer head guys are, are charging after you. What do you want to do? Do I get to um, defend myself? <clears throat> so we haven't really been in this situation very much yet, because we just haven't done a lot of combat. The easiest way to think about this, there are two situations. One, you're trying to get Than to safety. And then two, there are these deer-headed monsters that are charging at you and want to hurt you. You get to do something, whatever you want. Any of those situations that you do not resolve, I'm going to resolve. And that resolution might not be the one you want. I'll, 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 I'll do it. Two magic missiles, uh, one at each of them. Okay. That works. Uh, roll to cast. Uh, 12. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to empower that one. Okay. I kind of thought you might want to. Okay, so that'll be four yeah, to empower. each one of them. Okay, so you kill one of them outright. Uh, what does that look like? Um, well, so I, I imagine his eyes are still fiery red with that symbol, and he's just, mm-hmm. again, he's blasting out with both hands, um, two magic missiles, striking one in the head. I imagine just, like, literally, you know, blowing it apart. Yeah, like a rotten melon just splits open, and the other one, though that hurt it, is still charging full speed at Hans, uh, Calico, and Then. Calico and I, if we're both dragging, can I just, like, drop my half of Then and, say, and like, say, save him, and then rush off? So you take off running, and you meet up quickly with the deer-headed creature. Go ahead and roll your attack. It was a seven. Okay, that means... It gets an attack back at you. It does three damage. Which is zero for okay. me. Uh, and then roll your damage. Seven. That's enough to kill it. So what does that look like? If it's possible, I just want to like swing my sword at it like horizontally and hopefully just cut it right in half. Falls Absolutely. Into- <laughs> yeah. And... Um. Yeah, go ahead. While Hans is doing that, I'm going to stop and stab Thin with my dagger, right in the heart. He is certainly in no position to stop you. Um, That's fucked up. Yeah. I hope, yep. okay. I hope that the tip of it has healing potion on it. <laughs> so, so, Hans, you just cut this creature in half, and then out of the corner of your eye, see this happening. And I okay. feel like I celebrate that, because it was the last one, and then I turn around and I see like what had just was occurring. Yeah, and then yeah. Obviously, I, I think you whatever. see you see Calico with her dagger like in Ben's chest. I'm like slow motion, like running toward the scene. I, I'm probably I will be too late, obviously. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, I'm just like. Nah. I, I have um cage prepared. I'd like to probably cast that on her. Okay. That, that's day one shit right there. Yeah, yeah. That's a day one spell. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and roll to cast Cage. Uh, Eleven. Okay. Um, I think we had said it was like a almost like a hamster ball of like energy. Yeah. So that appears around Calico, and I think the way that it pops up, it kind of like box knocks her back a little bit away from away from Fen. Fen is now just laying on his own with the dagger still stuck in his chest. As I'm like running, I'm gonna do like that slide onto the ground, like next to the sides thing, and like try and see if he's responsive or. You can just leave the dagger there. 
And if there's like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm afraid I'll like yank it out and blood will start spurting at me. So, I, like, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Okay, I'm going to walk over to Fen and just kneel and just say, "Helm, no, Helm, protect him." He's he's not responding. Um, so Fen, I think that you kind of, you know, in, in the haze after the fireball, um, you feel Hans begin to dragging you out of the room. Um, and you have that moment of, you feel like you're just about to slip away and then you, you come back and you're, you're hanging in there. Um, and then you feel Hans, you know, drop you and, and rush ahead, like rush forward to fight the deer head things. And then you see Calico. She must be behind you because she appears upside down. Calico, what does Than see in your eyes at this moment? If he were to look into her eyes, he would see it. It's sort of cold hatred, and probably a little bit of smug triumph. And she plunges a dagger into your heart. And then everything goes dark. In that darkness, you hear a howling wind. And you are suddenly able to open your eyes and you are standing in the center of a desolate plain. Everything around you is gray, not not like the, the dark gray of the ethereal plain. Everything is very sharp, everything is very crisp, everything is very, almost a light gray, like the ground, the cracks in the ground, the sky around you. It's a devoid of color type thing. Right, um, and there's a wind rushing across this plane directly into your face. It doesn't matter what direction you face, the wind is always blowing right into your face. Looking around, you begin to see that there are some people thousands of feet away, and they too like are that very crisp, very light gray. Like, and you see that most of them are kind of like leaning forward, like they're kind of like walking into the wind, and they are all kind of just trudging across this plane. And I think that you look in the direction where they're walking and you see far, far off in the distance is a, uh, a city just on the horizon. You can see, you can make out like just the, the details of a couple of the, the buildings rising up just a little bit from the horizon and then a single tower in the center of the city. And on top of that tower, something dazzlingly bright is reflecting light out across the plain. Um, and the light doesn't really actually illuminate anything. Like, everything is still this just gray. But that light is is still like, kind of like a beacon. Um, and you, I think you feel um, the urge to walk towards that, that beacon. Do I still have both of my arms? I do. Is Cloud there? Yeah. You look around and then turn around behind you and look down and there she is. And she looks like she's been just kind of like walking behind you, like doing her little mimic game. So trying to like walk like you were walking. And then when you turn and stop, she stops and looks up. I'll just hold my my hand out to like hold her hand. Aww. She takes it. That's cute. She says, I have some good news then. Oh God. Got I guess also some bad news. The good uh, news hey. is, you can understand me now. The bad news is, 
can understand me now. That's a valid point. Huh. All right then. Um. So, like, if I like, what do we what do we do? Like, you're supposed to walk to the city. And then something kind of clicks for you, and you realize that these are the Fugue Plains, and that city in the distance is the city of the dead. That tower is the crystal spire where Kalimvor, the god of death, judges all who have passed. Fun. So. <laughs> Fitting. Huh? Let's go, little one. Oh. What's your name? Oh, yeah. My name is Orem Skysworn. But I kind of liked when you called me Cloud. You can still call me that if you like. Okay. I'll stick with Cloud for now. And continue walking forward. The two of you turn back toward the city on the horizon. The wind moans across the plains, and lost souls wander around you. But hand in hand, the two of you begin to walk with purpose. As you go, Cloud gives your hand a squeeze and begins to hum. And the two of you make your way to the crystal spire and its master, the Lord of Death, and to whatever fate you have earned. Hans, you're not a healer by any means. As you kneel beside him and try to look for anything that you could possibly do to help him, you can tell right away it's too late. He almost died yesterday from being poisoned. He was still weak from that. These creatures had done a number on him. There are wounds all over his torso and shoulders. And then he was blown up, burnt alive. And then a trained killer put a dagger into his heart. Can I, like, pull the dagger out and, like, open his mouth and put the, the healing potion I have in him? It does not seem to do anything. When you pull the dagger out, like, there's no gush of blood. Like, his his body is already shut down. Like, he's bleeding slowly like a corpse would. And I yell, like, what have you done? <laughs> can I communicate with them at all, or am I just, like, trapped in this? Yeah. You- yes, all of you can talk normally while you're in the cage. However, uh, something interesting, Calico, when this cage formed up around you, you suddenly began to hear voices. Or rather, just one voice. In particular, you heard Leandros' voice, even though he clearly was not talking. Because, for reasons you don't know, but we know is a result of a quirk of the spell Arcane Cage. You seem to be hearing his thoughts. So, what is Leandros thinking? Honestly, you just killed my friend. You thought of Fen as a friend. I don't think that's right. as long as... His version of a friend, yeah. Right. Because Leandros was, like, you know, a little bit of his backstory, like, he was homeschooled, he didn't really have friends, he was an only child, that kind of thing, like, he doesn't know what the idea of a real friend is, so, like, the banter that the two of them have back and forth, like, whenever Leandros says something, he's just being a smartass, but Finn really means it, like, you know, (laughs) I don't really like you. Uh (laughs) Like, oh yeah, sure you don't, whatever. (laughs) Um, so Calico, but, you you hear like you kind of you get that from hearing his thoughts, and you also get that that he wanted something from Fen, like he he had been counting on getting something from Fen, yeah, and is now probably at least a bit distraught that like he probably is not going to now. 
So I yelled. What have you done? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I tell Land, you think he was your friend? He wasn't your friend. He just betrays people. He betrayed my people. He betrayed the Cerulean sons. Sooner or later, he was going to kill all of y'all. I did you a favor. Oh, fucking knew it. Fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> did you act alone? Or is this all of the guards? This time. Does your boss know? <laughs> it wasn't the gardeners. But yes, my boss knows. Well, he'll know. Can I, like, stand up and I get my my sword out and put it to, like... I know she's in, like, this hamster ball, but can I still, like, get my sword through it? No. But you can try to menace her still. Try to intimidate her. Yeah. I'm just gonna look at Hans and I'm gonna look... I'm gonna gonna look at him and go, do what you were paid to do, and I'm gonna drop the cage now. I rush her. Okay. Oh, spoiler. Um, I have shoot first, so you can't surprise me. (laughs) I think she gets to shoot first. Unless I can tell him to not fight me. You can do, or try to do, just about anything you want. So the cage drops, and Hans starts rushing you. Like, you have that that split second, like, your reactions are just fast enough that you're gonna get, you can do something before Hans gets in attack range. What do you want to do? You don't have a lot of time. I know, I know, I know, I know. Can I throw a dagger at his sword-carrying hand? Well, you want to try to dis- to disarm him? Yeah. Um, okay, so, Calico, go ahead and roll plus dexterity. It's an 11. Okay. <laughs> so, you definitely hit him. Um, I'm gonna say Hans, roll plus constitution to see if it actually disarms you. Six. Boom. Sorry, man. Uh, so, Calico, roll your damage. Seven. Okay. Minus his armor. So, just four. Well, my armor's three, so. Okay. So, take four damage. And so, that she throws the dagger, uh, and it goes, like, right into your hand, like, into your sword hand. Um, and so, you do drop your sword. And I think that there's there's at least some that moment, or maybe you know, like that, the sensation of time slowing of like you two then looking at each other. Hans, you know, you've got the dagger in your hand. Your sword is still like kind of in the process of clattering to the floor, and your eyes meet for just a second. What are you guys gonna do? I'm gonna tell him we don't have to fight. I'm not gonna kill them if I don't have to. Finn betrays everyone. I feel like I have like this still serious stare and I continue to rush at her, her with the intention of kind of tackling and choking her out. Yeah, roll hack and slash. Twelve. That's a good hit. Roll your damage. Eleven. You slam into her. The two of you topple to the ground. And you're able to get your hands around her neck. There is a moment here, again, like if you two looking right at each other. Can I use my superior warrior to where it was a 12 plus, so... Mm-hmm. Do you, do you want to frighten or dismay her? I want to frighten. Okay. So Calico, Hans has just tackled you, has his hands around your neck, and he's a big guy uh, <laughs> and looks pretty pissed. Um, so you are... <laughs> Probably like probably one of the first times in your life, or one of the few times, like you are very much afraid because you could very easily die right here. 
Can I move my hands at all? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna do some in my scarf. Okay. And yeah. get it like going. Um, and I'm gonna tell him you can let go of me or die. She can do what she wants because I avoid her attack. So knock yourself out, bitch. <laughs> Not you, Amy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, <Amy>, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we? I, if he wants to try it, I'll do it. Man, I should go get popcorn right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. This is good. Thank you. <laughs> he does not seem like he's going to let you go. Okay. Um, um, with my other hand, can I reach my potions? Probably. Okay, I'm gonna grab my golden root and try to like shove it in his mouth. Okay. Okay, I like. I think I like. I like where this is going. Yeah, roll plus dexterity. Uh, eleven. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. It was a four to five. What am I gonna do? <laughs> no, I mean that's. Point <laughs> Go ahead and read to us what Golden Root does. <laughs> Golden Root. The target treats the next creature they see as a trusted ally until proved otherwise. So you stop strangling me. I, yeah. So Hans, <laughs> uh, you are on top of Calico. You're strangling her. You can see the fear in her eyes. She pulls out that magic scarf and is like threatening you with it. You just kind of knock her hand away easily. You are big and you are strong and you know how to kill. Uh, you only need one hand to strangle her. So you use your other to pin her scarf hand to the floor. And as that is happening, her hand shoots up and slaps into your mouth. The only way I can imagine this actually working is if it's like a powdered golden root or like a, like shavings of golden root. So when she puts that handful of it into your mouth, um, even like you start to cough and even though you're getting some of it out that's still like clinging to the inside of your mouth and starting to seep into your bloodstream that way and then you know mid cough it dawns on you why are you choking calico she is your best friend you like your closest confidant like there is no one that you trust more in the world than calico there's absolutely no reason you should be strangling her so I feel like I release her and kind of roll off to the side. I'm very confused, I would think. Ethan's still dead, and Leandros is probably about to do something. Do I, like, forget, like, what happened to Ben and shit, or...? No, you, you haven't forgotten, but I think that, like, your connection to Calico right now feels like that, at least for the moment, like, that outweighs um, any anger you had about what she did to that. So, like, maybe you're like, well, she probably had a good a good reason for killing Ben, so I'm, I'll stick with her. Leandros, you see Calico shove something into Hans's mouth, and then he stops trying to choke her. Seems much less angry than he was just a moment ago. Can I double charm him so he has to be my trusted ally? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can absolutely try to charm him. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna tell Leandra before he tries anything that whatever Thin was helping him with, my people and I would probably be able to do better than him. Most so not. you don't want to kill me. Uh oh. Oh man. <laughs> 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 yes. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. I was not expecting that. I mean, you've seen my skills. Why would you doubt me? Like, come on. All right. I'm going to look at Calico and... Damn it, it's not a good offer. Agreed. Who do you work for? The Clasp. Hans, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go outside. Why? I need you to go outside and draw a circle on the ground. <sighs> One for us to be big enough to stand in. Okay. I feel like I walked back over to, to pick up my sword. And okay. I'm like looking at my hand that was hit by the dagger. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of like... And I pick up the sword and I go back and I guess I go outside. I don't really say, I feel like I'm not really saying it. When you go to open the doors out to the outside, they don't open. I go to walk up and I like try to open it and I'm expecting it to open. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is like jarring that it doesn't. So then I feel like I had my sword in my hand still and I, I put it I put it away and I grab with both hands on the door handle and I'm Kind of shaking it back and forth. It doesn't move and shake like a door that's locked. It yeah. just doesn't move. It's like you are pushing on a wall and expecting something to happen, and nothing is. I, I think... say like it's not. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I draw my sword. I say I can't. I can't stand for this, Leandrus. You can't be seriously thinking about accepting her offer. You saw what she just did to Then, whatever it is that she just did to Hans. I need you to understand something, Ilyev. This job is over. Your job was to protect us. And you failed that. Failed. You failed Helm. Or maybe he failed you. How great can a god be if he couldn't even protect a single elf? You're done here. You're dismissed. Pull my sword out. And I point it at Eliaf and I say, if he failed, then I fail. What say you of me? Hans, do you uh, serve a greater purpose? I know of many gods. I aspire to be like them. Now answer my question. What say you of me? Did I fail? Hans, you, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. I just kind of like shake my head at Leandros and I... I was getting up close enough to where I was going to like try and hit him or something, but then... I say, like, you're not worth it. And I walk back towards Eliaf. A quiet falls on the room. An uncomfortable one. The tensions that had always been there among these companions finally having broken open. The wizard stands seemingly alone again. The knight finds himself questioning his faith. The warrior angry and confused, senses something is not quite right. Poisoner plays a dangerous game as she teeters as if upon a knife's edge. And the thief lays dead, his sister's fate far more desperate than it had ever been.
Thank you for joining in our wild endeavors. If you have enjoyed our endeavors, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wild Endeavors. But even more than that, if you've enjoyed the adventures so far, tell a friend. The best adventures are the ones we can share with people who matter to us. So share this story with them and make our endeavors your adventure. As always, thank you to Kevin McLeod for the great music, and we hope you join us again next week. Thank you.